Chase coming at you with a rescue. If you say the real life ends up your days and you don't have time to play, well, midlife is the best time to start a new role playing phase. My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. Welcome back. Today is an interview episode, and it's kind of long, so I'm not going to spend an awful lot of time introing, especially as I'll introduce my guest shortly. But the episode came about mostly because at the start of the series, I asked, does anyone want to come on the show? And today's guest, yeah, said, yes, please. I'd love to come and do that. Now, our guest is also one of our fantastic Roleplay Rescue Patreon patrons. And I think between us, we had quite a good natter. Personally, I feel like today's episode is really in celebration of what I call your typical gamer. My guest is just that, a really regular guy who has experienced the hobby through the years and who has interesting things to say. So please stick around and listen. Before we dive in, though, I got a few call-ins off the back of the last couple of episodes, and I want to respond to one or two of those. So without any further ado, let's get to the call-ins. This is Series 5, Episode 4. Hi, Jay. It's Goblin's Henchman here. Um, just got finished listening to episode 308 about mysteries. Now, this is an area I've never really gone, um, mainly for the, the various reasons that you outlined in your, you know, setup. <laughs> you know, they, to me, they intrinsically sound like they're going to be a disaster. But um, I really enjoyed um, this idea of node play um, and uh, the three-clue route. All, all that stuff was great. It really got me kind of uh, thinking about it. In fact really mine is you know bubbling over ideas and sort of a tangential way of using this this idea um you know maybe in a way that it wasn't really intended to but you know that's, that's a great great thing about sharing ideas it's uh wonderful when they go in ways that the maybe the person who presented it didn't really mean to but anyway there you go hopefully uh it'll keep bubbling away till something comes to the surface okay thanks bye Hi Jay, it's Goblin Senchman here. Just a quick voice message about your Infinite Game uh, episode, which I thought was a really good one. Um, I think once more you managed to free me from an unconscious constraint that was weighing upon me subconsciously. Um, back in the uh, late 80s and 90s, I was definitely playing the Infinite Game, and uh, more recently, reading blogs and all those kind of things, the uh, the yoke of the finite game has been placed upon me subconsciously without realizing. So uh, I can now cast that aside and, and play more freely. So thanks for that. Um, if you ever manage to uh, reset me back to the day when I first opened a role-playing book and, for example, picked weapons based on their sound and not their damage, then I'll pin a medal on you, sir. But yes, um, good episode. Keep it up. 
any more random thoughts like that that you're, you want to share with us, please go ahead. Cheers. Goblin's henchman there. Thanks so much for calling in, dude. Love hearing from you. And I'm really glad that those episodes, that's 308 and 501, have both kind of inspired you and given you some thought and ideas. Because that's kind of what I want to be all about. You know, rediscovering our hobby together. Um, as a community, discovering more about tabletop role-playing games and being able to do more with them. That's kind of what I'm about. And of course feeling that we're part of this community and we're accepted too. And I just really appreciated the feedback. It's great. And yeah, you have really encouraged me to allow my randomness to sometimes come out. Although, as you're going to hear shortly, I sometimes have to be a bit careful with that, I think. But, hey, let's not get in negatives. I'm really pleased that I've got you thinking about your game in a different way. Please keep listening and please keep calling in, dude. Game on. Hey, what's up, Shay? It's Joe Richter, man. I would posit that escapism doesn't really have anything to do with turning off your mind and not thinking about stuff. I'd also suggest that no matter what type of role-playing game you're playing, that is a form of escapism. You're putting yourself in a fictional environment, leaving the real world, playing a fictional character, leaving parts of yourself behind, and escaping. So yeah, I'm not really sure what you were what you meant by it's about turning off your brain because I just I don't think that's the case at all. Anyway, man, have a good one. Peace out. Joe, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling and thank you for calling me out on this one because you're kind of right actually. Right, so this is an example of where I, when I speak off the cuff like I am now, I often make mistakes. And when we did the three voices thing, I decided that I wasn't going to script my section. I was going to talk pretty much off the cuff. And that's what I did. And I kind of muffed up quite a few of those things, actually. But this is the only one anyone seems to have noticed. So yay me. But hey, Joe, yeah, number eight uh, of the MDA... Uh, school of thought regarding the aesthetics of gaming is submission and yes you're quite right i said number eight is a weird one it's called submission and this is i guess the escapism thing the pleasure you get from turning off your brain and losing yourself in something that you don't really have to think about too hard and i guess this is what a lot of people who play computer games are into and I also think this is a lot of what a lot of people who play relatively straightforward role-playing games are into. And that's a really great example of me putting my mouth in it. Right. I want to read two quotations from for you to help you understand this one. And I'm hoping, Joe, this will help. So, first of all, I'm going to the angrygm.com and I'm going to his um, article, Gaming for Fun, Part 1, Eight Kinds of Fun, which I cited in that episode. Eight, submission. Quote, the final aesthetic is called submission, although I prefer the term the extra credits team use, abnegation. It just sounds cooler and more complicated. Submission is the pleasure you get from turning off your brain and losing yourself in a task you don't have to think about too hard. Grinding levels in World of Warcraft, mining minerals in Minecraft, farming item drops in Diablo 3. Now, submission is an odd one to discuss in tabletop RPGs because it is one that tabletop RPGs doesn't handle very well. The thing is, even the simplest task in an RPG require a high cognitive load. You have to think things through. But still, 
The concept of beer and pretzels play exists for a reason. Go down a dungeon, kick down doors, kill orcs, take their loot, go back to town, lather, rinse, repeat. That is submission or abnegation. And there are people who want exactly that. End quote. My second quotation is from the actual document itself, MDA, A Formal Approach to Game Design and Game Research, by Robin Hunick, Mark LeBlanc and Robert Zubeck. And it's available um, on the Northwestern University website, essentially. Now, if I go through, they're talking about a comprehensive framework for gaming and how games work, and they talk about this thing called MDA, which is Mechanics, Dynamics, Aesthetics. Under the Aesthetics section, um, it says this, quote, What makes a game fun? How do we know a specific type of fun when we see it? Talking about games and play is hard because the vocabulary we use is relatively limited. In describing the aesthetics of a game, we want to move away from words like fun and gameplay towards a more directed vocabulary. This includes, but is not limited to, the taxonomy listed here. And then they list the eight. One, sensation. Two, fantasy. Three, narrative. Four, challenge. Five, fellowship. Six, discovery. Seven, expression. And eight, submission. And here's the quote. Eight, submission is, quote, game as pastime, end quote. A cited example of a game that includes submission is Final Fantasy. So, I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know whether that clears anything up. What it does do is make me feel like mm, maybe I need to script everything I say because <laughs> I can't be very accurate off the cuff. Anyway, uh, Joe, thanks for calling me out on it. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it, um, even if it's slightly embarrassing for me to admit that, you know, yeah, kind of wrong. Coming back to what you said, uh, role-playing games as escapism, yep. And I did a whole episode on that, um, so you kind of know my view on that. But I think submission is a part of role-playing games. I think it is, as the angry GM said, sometimes when we're beer and pretzeling, we're seeking an element of submission. And we don't want a high cognitive load. I know I've had players sit at my table and tell me that my game is too difficult for a Friday night after work because it requires too much thought and too much effort. And they've asked me to run a dungeon for them. So I'm kind of fairly sure there might be something in this whole submission thing. But hey, man. Thank you for calling. Game on. Hello panellists, Barney from Loco Ludus here. Thanks for a great episode. I just wanted to add my uh, position on things. Like all of us, I love playing games. I really couldn't care about winning at all. Just playing is great. But it's the mechanics, it's the mechanics that draw me in. It's going through all of those possibilities about mechanics doesn't matter if I'm any good at them or not at all. It's also through the mechanics that I apprehend those things that some people consider to be story or narrative. So in terms of immersion, it's not a question of immersing myself in story. It's a question of immersing myself in the mechanics, this active synaptic process which um, game to game system to system can vary so wildly that's what I'm in for thanks very much 
look forward to the next panel and everything else. Bye-bye. Barney, thank you for calling in. Awesome to hear from you. Um, and I'm really glad you got your podcast going as well, mate. Brilliant stuff. Uh, but this call-in is just the bee's knees following on from Joe's. Joe's calling me out on getting my mistakes in aesthetics. But actually, if we go back to MDA, we've got mechanics, dynamics, aesthetics. Mechanics, just what you're talking about. And like you, when I think about it, I'm really drawn into games through their mechanics. That's why I spent a lot of my life buying, reading, collecting, playing games to dig the systems. And I really get a kick out of that. Um, Of course, recently I'm starting to sort of lay the search for mechanics to rest and I'm going for mastery of one set of mechanics but I'm with you on this in terms of immersion if I don't feel like I'm rolling dice and playing the game's system I don't feel like I'm playing a game and it just is uh you know sitting around a table telling a story which is not a bad thing but it's not what I came to the table to do so um I don't know whether that's how you feel but it's how I feel and you triggered that thought in me and I wanted to say thank you so much for doing that Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, really appreciate your call in. Right, we better get on with this interview, haven't we? Rescue! Jason Connolly is the voice behind the Nerds RPG Variety Cast podcast and a regular caller to several Anchorite shows, including this one. Jason started gaming around 1983 with the Dungeon Board Game by David McGarry. And his first RPGs were the Mensa Redbox D&D Basic Set and the original TSR Marvel Super Heroes RPG. Hailing from Virginia, USA, he's a family man and, judging from the background noise during his call-ins, the owner of some awesome dogs who are almost as famous as he is. He's one of the most self-effacing voices in the potosphere, and I'm delighted to be able to have a chat with him today. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Ah, oh, you're welcome. So, most important question, player or game master, what do you prefer? I like doing both, to be honest. I, I'm i a social gamer, kind of like you hear the term social drinker. I, I just enjoy <laughs> being around other gamers and enjoy watching the interplay. But whether that's as a player or as a GM where you create a world and then watch people explore that, I, I think both are equally fun. No preferences. Dangerous territory there. So what do you most enjoy about role-playing games then? I think it's the, well, it's interesting because I interact with role-playing games on two separate levels. There are time, I have a ton of games and I really enjoy reading the systems and I've read, yeah. you, you know, I, I've probably played 5% of the games I own, right? Yeah. But I, so as far as playing the games, it's the social aspect. It's the interacting with the other players and, and the human connection. Yeah. As far as the rules mechanics, I think that's the thing that draws imagination and, and and reading the rules and thinking what what you could do with this and how the system works and so they they kind of work on two separate levels if that makes sense. Of course it does. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying it's a sort of um, on the one level there's this social thing when you're actually playing, but in between games it's the rules themselves that kind of spark your imagination. Very much so. Yes, and it's rules of games I'm not playing. Okay, so uh, I guess you must be on a constant quest for the next kind of shiny game. Then. Unfortunately, yes, and I, w- I, I envy that you've picked GURPS and, and are sticking with that. It, not specifically because of GURPS, although I like GURPS. I've had GURPS since I put the that early box set, the first edition. I've I've got that box set too, from when I was a kid. But hmm. I, 
I envy the picking of one system and sticking with it because it stops you from that constant quest where I'm still in that quest mode. Yeah, I'm not sure I've stopped. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm definitely less than I was, which I guess has uh, uh, been a difficult first step. I so now I'm sounding like an addict, right? <laughs> well, I, I don't mean to make sound like that, but to be fair, that's I, I so I also collect board games and I have... I'm sure it's not a right, the correct term, but I use the term completionist. Mm -hmm. So if a board game has five expansions, I want to own all five expansions, even if I'll never play them. Yeah, we have this in common. I mean, the problem I have with GURPS is that I'm now trying to collect everything. You know how many uh, books there are? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the bad thing is how many books are out of print. That That's the hard part. Mm. So. Okay, um, so you, I know that you know you said you sort of started gaming back in '83, um, and you sort of started with Dungeon. I was kind of curious about how that came about and your transition from there into RPGs. So, well, my memory's a little hazy of those times as we go back in the mists of time, back to the '80s. <laughs> but I, I don't remember who bought me the Dungeon board game. I don't know if it was my parents or maybe my aunt and uncle. I remember playing it with my aunt and uncle, uh -huh. and they weren't RPGers. They just, you know, bought a board game, and we played it. Yeah. But then, because my mom was trying to get me to read more, I had some speech issues as I was a child, and and I don't know that I'm reading as much as not that those are necessarily related, but but they seemed to want me to read more to try to help with the speech thing, and so it got me the I don't remember. Right. I think the Mincer box set first, and TSR Marvel Superheroes shortly thereafter. Right. See, I'm quite jealous because I never played Dungeon. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen a copy of it. Um, so, I mean, do you have fond memories of it as a game? I do. I do. I played it both with, with family and friends. And it, you can play it solo, which which is great. Mm -hmm. Because there's no real player versus player in the older in the original version of Dungeon. There, mm -hmm. You're just trying to go off and get X amount. You have four different classes, and each class has a different amount of gold they have to collect to win. So you're going room to room fighting monsters in those rooms and trying to collect X amount of gold for your class, whether you're an elf or a hero, superhero, or a wizard. So you can easily play like two characters simultaneously, you know, without any kind of PvP kind of problems. Sounds kind of fun, actually. Um, I guess that is kind of one of those things where it's a step back from role-playing. Is that, That's my impression. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yes, it very much is. It's not... There's no... It's definitely a board game where you, you move X number of spaces and you roll the dice to fight, but there's no real... Now, if you're playing with a group of people, people might do that mini role-play thing where they act out the parts of their characters, but there's no real role-play yeah. element to it. It's not even a like a light role-playing game. It, it's a strict board game. Yeah, so, I mean, in this term, I guess what we're both saying in terms of role-playing is the freedom to make whatever choice. Um, and what you're suggesting here is it's constrained by the board and the game rules and everything else, yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah, we're, and that's where, it, but it was a great stepping stone into D, the basic D and D set. Yeah. Do you remember making that step? Not particular. I, I remember getting the set from my mom buying me the set, and then going through and playing the solo. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've looked at the the old red box, but oh yes, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So so you remember the solo adventure in there? And, I do. And all that, and so I you know doing that, and then. The other thing that led to were the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which are kind of like the American version of the Fighting Fantasy books. They weren't as good. They didn't have 
the as complicated game system as Fighting Fantasy did. But <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm giggling because I don't see Fighting Fantasy as a complicated game system, but I know what you mean. Right. Well, compared to Choose Your Own Adventures, it was. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you kind of went from Redbox then into Choose Your Own, and then from there into the superhero game. Well, kind of parallel. It wasn't necessarily one to the other. It wasn't, I stopped Redbox and moved to one or the other. The mm -hmm. Choose Your Own Adventures, were, you know, read as it went. And, and actually later as I got into Merps and, and Rollmaster, they had their own version of those kind of books. The game books, which is interesting. But the, yeah, I don't remember the time frame between getting the Mentor Box and the Marvel superheroes. But there was roughly the same time frame. I've been thinking a lot about the, the old Red Box starter set recently. I've um, been having a few conversations around how that is, for me, I feel, something that's missing from the modern game, this kind of introductory game um, box set kind of thing. Do you have a view on that? I agree with you 100%. I think the Mincer box set, that red box, is about the... I, it may not be the perfect box set, but it, it's darn close. Hmm. It's got the solo adventure, which is great. It's got a separate player and, and DM book, which which I think are important for a set like that. I, I think for a box set... Yeah. You need, now, the, the recent Pathfinder set wasn't bad. I don't think it had a solo adventure in it, though. I don't remember. I think that's an important part. I think having hmm. a a map in there, having an introductory adventure, maybe having little stand-ups would be important because um, you want to strike the imagination of, of a new role player. And it needs to be written right. So one of the complaints, it's funny, you, you read modern reviews of the Mensur box set and they talk, well, talk down to its players. But it didn't. Not If you're encountering that set as somebody that hasn't role-played before, it's introducing you to the concepts. And it does a really good way of doing it. And it's and it's an interesting book to read. It's not it's not clunky or boring to read. Like some books read more like textbooks, where the, you know the the mentor didn't, which was wonderful. Yeah, I, I revisited it a few years ago. I mean, my, you know, I don't know how much you know about my journey back, but it's part of it. I I was role playing, doing a lot of different things, but I actually went back to that red box and played that solo adventure, and then I ran mm -hmm. the first adventure from the GM's book. You know, and it was refreshing actually to come back to that um and i'm talking 35 years later or something silly um but actually my players as well we had a really good time and a kick of it out of it you know really good laugh and um yeah it kind of got me back to what i suppose is these days seen as the old school stuff you know um i think it still has immense value and i i, I think it's a, a missing trick if you like the nearest i've seen recently uh -huh. is the call of cthulhu star set uh, which has you know, that, that solo game and then three adventures, which is just great. Yep. Yeah, that's an excellent example too. That's a great starter set. Yeah, I think the one thing that misses is the how to build your own thing that the Mensa box did so well. Right, right. So you went from Redbox and then kind of into, into other games and everything from there. Um, now, you mentioned to me in the past that you kind of fell out of the hobby. So um, how did that come about? Well, I went in the army when I was 17. So awesome. at that point, so I had gotten to AD&D and had all the AD&D stuff, the first edition. And then I went yeah. in the army in, let's see, was second edition out there? It was 90. So I don't, I'd have to look back, but I never bought the second edition books. 
So yeah, I have a feeling that's about eighty nine, ninety, isn't it? Yeah. Second edition. Yeah. Something like that. Yes, and I was a senior, junior, senior high school by the time. But we had all the first edition mm. books, and that's what we were playing. But so I went in the army, and then it was sporadic role playing. We actually played riffs when I was in the army. Um, mm-hmm. Played some other games, but then in ninety seven, I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I was stationed there. And I kind of got out of the hobby. I didn't have anybody to play with there. And I didn't really look for anybody because I was doing other things. So I had a decade I was out of the hobby yeah. until about 2006, 2007. And that's I moved up to Virginia for a job up here. I was out of the Army by that time. And my son was about 10 and ready to get into role playing. So I was introducing him to the, the Red Box. I used that for the introductory for him. And then we looked for mm-hmm. a local group and found a local group playing first edition AD&D. And you know, got back in the hobby that way. What brought you back then? I mean, is it your son? Um, is that the, the kind I of key? I think so. It, it, maybe a combination of things. I, I mean, I had been missing it, and I still would buy rule sets now and then to read them because, like I say, that's kind of a hobby. Mm-hmm. But I, a lot of it was, was bringing him in the hobby, yeah. So what would you say was the biggest barrier to getting a game once you started to try and get back to it? Well, finding a group. At the time, we, had, we weren't doing online gaming. Mm-hmm. I, it was out there, but we weren't. I wasn't. So it was finding a local group in Northern Virginia, the area, which we moved a little bit away from that area now. But at the time, the traffic's horrible up there. So trying to find a group and, and be in a regular group was tough. So And we would like join a group and play like six, eight sessions, and then something would happen, and then you find another group. And so it was on and off for a few years. And I had a friend from church, actually, who was really into board games, the modern board games, complicated board games. And we got into that, so we got heavily into board games, so there's another kind of lull in role-playing games. And then we got back, every now and then we dip our toe back into role-playing games and then do the board game thing and back and forth. But then I got into online games Yeah. Um, probably just about three years ago was my first online game, which is funny because my friend moved to Florida. His job took him to Florida maybe six years ago, and we've been playing board games mm-hmm. online just using google hangouts or skype and putting the camera at the at the board game at the board of the board game and we played board games online for years but i've just started doing role-playing games recently online and and did i i'm right in saying you had a sort of background in wargaming as well i heard you call into dave aldridge's show and and share a whole load of you know a whole list of recommended games so wargaming too yes yes somewhat um my my dad was into miniature figures he'd he'd, he Mm -hmm. he built a whole scale model the alamo and with with all the everything, which he, I'll have to find pictures of that and share them with you sometime. It's really neat. But yeah, so he was into that model railroads and and that kind of thing, and, and really into like yeah. the American West and the, like cowboys and American Indians that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we did a little bit with I did a little bit with him growing up. Nothing really organized. But then that was the other thing I got into with my son, where we could find local wargaming groups in Northern Virginia, and we yeah. and there were conventions in. In Pennsylvania, the historical miniature society is out of Pennsylvania. Well, supposedly they're nationwide, but they're kind of based more in like Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This is where they hold their big conventions. So we would go up to the war game conventions and get involved in that. So in terms of like your role-playing hobby, what would you say? I always ask this question and people get freaked out by it, but what was the worst moment for you in your role-playing hobby then? Darkest time? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't... I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I mean, the easy answer would be to say when I wasn't playing or couldn't find a group. Um, and I think maybe 
there wasn't one darkest time, but I think the dark time is each time a group fell apart and each time you broke from a group. Actually, I'll give you an answer. About a, a little over a year ago now, I got involved online, and this was back, Google Plus wasn't, was still around. And, and I'd hooked up and interact pretty heavily with the Nerds International crew, which are a bunch of great guys. And I'd played in some of their games online and was going to go to a, a convention that a lot of them went to, um, Con on the Cob here in the U.S., and then work and life and family issues got involved, and, and I kind of stepped away from the hobby for almost a year. And by the time I came back, Google Plus was gone. A lot of the people I knew, you know, moved on doing other things. And that's kind of when I got interactive with the Audio Dungeon crew. Right. So so probably that because life kind of kept me from the hobby because I couldn't even make online games or whatnot because of our commitments. Yeah, that's always tough for people, isn't it? I mean, I think almost every gamer I talk to has had that kind of a period, you know, yep. where life overtakes So coming back to the um, kind of gaming community, and you talked about being part of the Audio Dungeon community. Is that how you found the OSR Anchorite community? What was the gateway there? It was either Jason Hobbs or Eric Tenkar, and I don't remember which. Okay. I'd, I'd like to say Hobbs because I know he wants to hear that. I, I definitely heard <laughs> both of them mention the mention Anchor specifically. But I yeah. don't know which of them first got me to start. I think it was probably Hobbs, to be honest, because I think Random Scree I could only find on Anchor at one point. And then I started looking on Anchor for other podcasts, and I found Froth's podcast, where he d does his weekly hump day roundup. And at the time, he was talking about solo games because he was on vacation. And I listened to that because I enjoy some of a, whether it's board games or like the choose your own adventure books or whatnot so i listened to that and then i found other ones and got involved and found the audio dungeon through that and that's kind of how i got involved so yeah i think hobbs probably gets credit for that we have a lot in common when i think about it you know um you have that kind of wargaming background you love your board games yeah love your role-playing games and also you like solo gaming you know, I, it is amazing to me how much you can have in common with someone yeah. who's, what, are we 2,000 yeah. miles away? Okay. So coming back to the hobby then, what would you say to the person who's sitting here listening to this and thinking about, you know, yeah, I want to get back into it. I'm interested in getting back into it, but I don't know where to start. You have to just dip your toe in the water. You, you can't be afraid, but you, you don't want to take too much on at once. The, the first thing to do is to find a a community or at least find a game and obviously a in-person game is the easiest find your local game shop talk to your local game shop you know often they'll have games running in the shops but if not discord the problem with discord is you have to find the right servers to find people right so whether that is the audio dungeon whether that's the roleplay rescue discord yeah. server but look for a discord server and you'll be able to easily get on online game and the nice thing about online game is you don't need any technology depending on the game beyond maybe your phone but at the if not your phone at least the computer is really all you need and and you can play do you think that um the online game is you know the best first route in i don't it, it's going to depend on the circumstance i I enjoy online gaming at the moment. That's all the gaming I do. 
aside from you know board games to my son or whatnot but he my son has a has an actual face-to-face group he plays with but i i haven't I, i i know who he's playing with but i haven't interacted with that because that's kind of his thing and i don't want to intrude if that makes sense because you know now that he's an adult i don't want to you know he needs his time doing his thing but i i think if you can do face to face that's always going to be preferable but i think online is close enough and it's definitely much better than not playing at all how do you keep yourself motivated in terms of gaming and playing yeah i haven't thought about that the it's just something to you know, you know, it's like anybody else. You have work, and you, and you have your time to concentrate on work, but you need time to wind down and relax. And, and I find gaming provides me that. I, be, and probably because of the games I I'm doing nowadays. I I enjoy the, and all these are loaded terms as we, you know, we've had discussions in the past on crunchy granular and and all these things. But I I, I enjoy games with with more complicated rule sets like GURPS. You know, or role master, or whatever. I enjoy those kind of games, but the games I tend to run are things like Barbarians Lemuria or ICRPG games that are have less rules and and less overhead. So, like the game I ran for you, you know, it's a lot more theater than mind. So it's not as much prep. Um, yeah. So it's it's you know I can sit there and when I'm driving to work I can be thinking about how I'm going to run a scenario and what I'm doing and jot a couple notes down. I've got, I keep a GM log and, and I'll just write the jot notes down. But when I ran that game for you guys, I was running off about two page notes in my GM log and, but it wasn't on the computer. It was all just, you know, handwritten. Mm-hmm. So if you prefer the sort of more um, detailed rule sets or whatever, um, are you saying that the reason you don't run them is largely because they require that little bit extra prep? It is right now. Well, that and players and finding the players mm-hmm. is the other part. If I posted right now that I want to run a role master game, how many people am I, you know? <laughs> it, now, if I put Murps, I want to play Murps, you, you, I'd get more bites because the Middle Earth part and people have fond memories. But, you know, I've for years wanted to play. I've never played in a group with first edition AD&D that's used all the combat rules. And for years I've wanted to play at least one combat using all the rules because... You know, it's got crazy combat rules, crazy complicated combat rules. It's all about adding all the stuff from the DMG about weapon length and all of that, right? Right. And and the complicated thing with first edition, though, is it's not all one place. You know, GURPS isn't so bad because, yeah, you can add all kinds of complicated rules, but it's organized where you can find all those yeah. rules. And and they're, they're easy to put on or take off where the, you know what Gygax did with first edition Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, a little more complicated and harder to put them all together. So it, I, just, it's a curiosity thing more than that's how I always want to play. Yeah. I can remember um, with first edition, um, I remember one of the attractions of Rollmaster when we got um, arms on claws law was that it was organized. You know what I mean? Like it, well, that mm-hmm. and the criticals obviously, but yeah, it was kind of organized. It was easier to get our head around in some ways. Um, Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The, the kind of the the journeys that we're on. <laughs> so, have you got um yeah. sort of top three games that you'd recommend to someone coming back? Honestly, for somebody coming back, I would say if there is a game they really loved as a, you know, back when they played, mm-hmm. there's a fair chance that somebody's still playing it today. 
and especially online. So they can probably find somebody playing that same game. Uh-huh. But it would really depend on what style they, they like and what they enjoy. Like in your case, if I recommended to you, you know, some of the, some of these light, I, I, I kind of hate that we got in these terms away from using some of these terms now, but like Swords Without <laughs> Masters, are you familiar with, are you familiar with Swords Without Masters? I'm not. Okay. I would not recommend that to you probably. That's as, that's as far away from a role-playing game into a, a shared storytelling experience you can get. Right. There's some dice rolling in it but it's really a shared storytelling experience. So knowing your background and the games you like, you know, that would be the wrong thing to recommend to you. But for somebody else that like, honestly, I think um, Dave Aldrich would probably really like that game. So it just depends on the person, but, but, but then there are places where your and Dave's interests coincide and they're games you would both enjoy. So, but, but really to recommend a game to somebody, I, I would have to know a little bit about them. I think. Yeah, that's an interesting point, isn't it? To sort of, you know, you, you, maybe you're out there reaching out, trying to find um, some people to game with. And at the same time, you know, you've got to take into account that you've got preferences, I suppose. Although look at um, Shandy Andy. This is a man that's played in an Aftermath campaign for 20 years. And Aftermath mm-hmm. is as complicated a system as you get, right? There's old fantasy yeah. games, Unlimited they were complicated rule sets, but his preferred game system, or wait, I might be mixing them up. I want to say BX was his preferred game system, though. So It is absolutely his preferred, yeah, yeah it's his go-to. And those are... And the thing he wants to do most is the wilderness of high adventure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet, yeah, you're right, he plays, well, he plays Goats with me, and he's playing Aftermath. Um, yeah, you're right in the sense that, you know, he's a guy who, he'll try anything, actually, is Andy, mm-hmm. um, let's be honest. Yeah, you went to GranthaCon, um, the Grantha Games Con this year with with me, and he ran a game of RuneQuest, you know, the new RuneQuest, and uh, first time he'd ever really played it, but he ran it. You know, is that the right spirit? Is that the spirit of giving it a go? Is that what we're suggesting? If if you're willing to, yes. I I'm hesitant to make definitive statements because I don't want to chase somebody away. Mm-hmm. There, there are some people that might only have a small comfort zone, and that's okay. There's a place for them in the hobby, without a doubt. Yeah. But that's where I want to be. And somebody like like you know Andy is is kind of a role model to me because that I try to play. I definitely have preferences, but I've played Swords Without Masters and I've played like say Role Master and, and you know so I've played on the different ends. And I'll play anything online just because mm. again to me it's the social experience, the interaction with other people that I enjoy. The rule system kind of falls in the background, yeah. hopefully. So our recent game of Barbarians of Lumeria that you ran for us, am I right in saying that was a recent return to GMing for you? Yeah, I had not GMed for a little over a year at that point. Yeah. And how did it feel? It felt good. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to, you know, running either that system or a different system again. I'm actually talking with Pete Jones from Dragons Are Real, and hopefully early here in November we're going to play a game together. We just had to decide on a system, and then... Shan Dandy has talked me into running a Bushido game at the end of November, which will be interesting. That's a Fantasy Games Unlimited, you know, crunchy, quote-unquote, game. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, that's a classic as well, Bushido. Wow. So, I mean, you were... So the picture I'm getting here really is is the one of, like, you playing online for two, three years and and then just recently sort of stepping up to GM again. 
Is that because people were badgering you to to GM? Um, well, a little bit and a little bit because I've kind of put the feelers out and wanted to GM. Yeah. Because I do enjoy both. I, I, I definitely wouldn't want to always GM. I, I definitely enjoy being a player. But there is a satisfaction to GMing, whether it's, you know, designing the scenario or designing a world and, and seeing the players explore that or, you know, setting up a problem and, and watching other people solve that problem. Mm. And what's like with, with your game, you know, with, you know, look at the guards. There, There's no way I, I would have scripted, you know, intentionally scripted that, you, you know, you could trick the guards into playing dice with you and, and doing all that. But it worked for the game. And I'm not going to, you know, squash that. I'm not going to say, oh, well, no, the, the block of text here says you're, you can't take that action. You can't do that. You know, that's to, to me, that's against the spirit of what we're trying to do with role playing game. Yeah, I mean, very much for me, role playing games about making choice, you know, ultimately. And and it's that, you know, players can try anything um, and we'll see how it works out approach. And I did appreciate in that moment in that game, I, I think I sensed the surprise, especially from my fellow players. Um, but I was really appreciative of, you know, that opportunity to have a go at conning the guards, guards, you know, rather than fighting them. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I'm glad you did that. I'm, I'm really glad that worked out the way it did. Um, and that was an example, letting the dice, you know, determine those things, which goes into like solo playing game, doing a solo game, whether you're using, mm you know, Mythic or one of these other emulators where you roll the dice and you think, ugh, that's not really what I want to do, but it's what the dice say, so let's see where it takes us. And that's kind of, yeah. not that I didn't want you to do that, but it was one of those things that, well, I never thought about that, but let's see where this goes. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I, for me, it's the thing that fascinates me most about these games, you know, that the, there's an almost unlimited amount of opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, and different things that people could do. It's fascinating, yep. really. Okay. Yeah, so I asked if you had game recommendations and you hedged around it a little bit. Are there any games that you keep coming back to over and over? Because you said you've collected loads. Um, any that you particularly feel like, you know, are, are solid and you want to come back you would come back to? Well it's funny because the, the games I end up going back to nowadays and this may change once we play Dungeon Fantasy and get back into GURPS. But right now, the games I come back to tend to be the lighter games, games like ICRPG or, yeah. to be honest, that may be the game I've played the most online, in the mm-hmm. online area. That and Barbarians Lemoria are the two games I think I've either, as a player or GM, run the most online. Now, you've spoken about ICRPG a lot, and you make a lot of call-ins recommending it. What is it about it that you think particularly makes it stand out as a game worth looking at? It's one of those games that's simple enough where the game gets out of the way when you're playing. Mm-hmm. So you don't. the only time I've had to open a rule book with ICRPG during a game is if we are rolling on a table for loot. If, if you know, they found treasure or found something and you had to roll to find, you know, find what, what item they found. Yeah. But aside from that, it, the the rules are now that's a, a pro and a minus depending on your group and your play style but you know there's no looking up combat charts there's no looking up at skill lists or ability lists or any of that it's it's all straightforward and it just gets out of the way which is nice mm-hmm. it's based off a set of 
house rules that the creator had made for himself and his group for 5e, and then it developed into its own game. But because of that, it's familiar enough that players of traditional games like Dungeons and Dragons can recognize what's going on there. So it's not really alien them. So it's biting for that reason too. And you you are big on like our community as well. I know that you're a real champion for you know, the various podcasters and the various people that are coming into that dungeon community. Um, I mean, what is it that makes it so compelling for you then? I think Anchor is the new version. It, Anchor is the audio version of a blog. Mm-hmm. So podcasts are kind of like our own blogs, but Anchor, because it makes it so easy to call in, it's just like clicking to add a comment on the bottom of a blog. So yeah. my preferred interaction, because I'm old, but my preferred interaction online is a forum, a traditional you know, internet forum. But yeah. there's not – well, that's not true. There's maybe one. Maybe the RPG pub is okay. But for the most part, the forums have gotten very political. And and I don't want to mix my politics with my games. I I have political views, and I'll discuss them when we're talking politics. But if I'm talking role playing games, I don't want to talk politics. I want to talk games. So it's so forums are kind of a- out of there for me now because of that, which is sad. So I can look at blogs, but you know, Anchor has been the audio blog, especially now that we're, the G Plus gone away. So being able to call in and encourage people and it's funny because, you know, I talk to, I have more interaction with, with you and, and some of the other podcasters than I do with, with some of the, you know, my family members and all, which not in the house, but my extended family, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Yeah. But yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> no, I can relate to that. I think, you know, we, and this is the thing about technology, isn't it? It allows us to form new groups and new, you know, new connections, um, you know, I'm sitting here right now talking to a guy 2,000 miles away about a thing we both care about a lot, which is really, you know, pointy-eared, weird um, game music, fantasy yep. game things, you know. <laughs> um, but that fascinates but, but me. The, the, other, the other interesting thing there is, and, and it goes exactly what you just said, where, you know, obviously if, if you sat us down, we would find things we agree with, things we didn't agree with. But, you know, even though we grew up in two totally different countries, different education systems, different everything, we still have a lot in common. And, and, and even with, look at, um, and, and I'll pr- pronounce this, but look look at the different people that we've play, role-played with or we're interacting with on the forums. You know, it's not just America. It's not just the UK. Yeah. you got people in Uruguay, right? You've got people all over the world. So it's, it's it shows you people are people. Yeah, I find it fascinating as well with Anchor because the last time I looked, I think there were about something like 20, 25 countries that are listening to the show. Now, there's probably like one person in some of those countries. But I find it absolutely amazing. I feel like I'm living in the science fiction future that I was promised a little bit just without the rocket packs. Okay. What did you want to say? What did you want to talk about? I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) It's funny because, you know, I've got – my own podcast kind of is a is a soapbox if I want to put something out there, but I I want to thank you for for what you've done for the hobby, and and we're not trying to give you you know blow you up too much here and you, you make your head too big, but but really your podcast is an inspiration. It, it's one of the the ones that got me to 
do my own podcast. And your podcast is one of the ones that I do look for and enjoy whenever it, a new episode comes out. I'll play it as soon as I can. And, and the part of that's just your honesty. And, and I think that's important. The And that's what I enjoy with the Anchor community because I think, you know, for the most part, you, you listen to these podcasts and people are being honest. They're not putting a front on. They're not putting on a fake personality. You, you're hearing you know, the actual person there giving their thoughts. And I think that's, it's very important, especially in t- today's age with the internet. And you look how people interact on Facebook or Twitter. Or, I mean, I, I don't do those things, but I, I've looked and have in the past. And you look at those on- online personas and, and you don't get that through our podcast, which is very interesting. Yeah, I, I always really enjoyed two in particular that stick out in mm-hmm. my mind for honesty and candor. And obviously Hobbs, um, he's one of those with random screed, which I absolutely love, and uh, you know that's that was my gateway into Hobbs's world was random screed. Um, I've listened to Hex talk, and I've listened to the odd episode of Hobbs and Friends, but screed every time. And the other one is Spike Pit. Um, I really appreciate Colin's um, you know, frankness, and I particularly enjoyed when he started doing his drive bys as well. Yeah, I I agree with you. But yeah, I think those are two really good solid examples of people being very honest and and if i have a third straight off the top of my head it's going to be ray otis who i think you know is one of the most creative people i've ever heard talk um, but also very honest and um you know i was listening today to his most recent thing about the uh, gygax 75 uh, challenge that he's doing and uh, it was just great here hearing him talk about how he sort of cheated at his map and all that kind of stuff um uh, you know, I appreciate that candor from from other people, and I guess it kind of inspires you to do yourself, doesn't it? To be honest, it, it does. It does. It's it, yeah. That's why why I say this is kind of a unique, interesting era, and we'll see how long it lasts. I just yesterday or this morning, I don't remember which, I got the email from because Spotify's bought Anchor and they've updated the user agreements and all. So we'll, we'll see how long Anchor lasts as it is now. Let's not dwell on that too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. Hobbs will talk about it. It's, we, yeah, we undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, me, I'm about, um, you know, building community really and uh, also about, you know, feeling accepted. And I think what I wanted to sort of um, ask you about is how does it, how does it feel when you're calling in to shows and you kind of get in response and, um, when you're kind of taking part in the audio dungeon and you're getting on there in gaming. Uh, and I mean this question because I'm asking, I want to try and help people who are maybe on the edge of that, you know, take a step. How does it feel coming into that community? Um, is it an accepting place in your mind? It, it is. So it's very welcoming. And it, when you look at it, I think, I don't think, I want to say August. So it's not been, but a few months that I've been interacting with this community. Mm-hmm. I, I, we'd have to go back and look, but, but I think it was August. So in that short amount of time, you know, but even from the first, from the very first time I called a show, very accepting and, and not all calls get played and, and people have to understand that, you know, that's not realistic, but for the most part, you'll find most of these shows do get your, your calls on the air and, and they're going to give you honest feedback and, and they are accepting. I haven't seen, and, and, and again, the, like I mentioned with, you know, the, the issue of the forums and the politics popping up, you don't see that with this community and you, you don't see people 
you know, trying to shut other people out or, or telling them they're having bad, wrong fun or, or anything like that, <laughs> which is great. You know, it's a very welcoming, accepting community. I think it's very true. I think it's very easy, isn't it, in this day and age to feel shut out of community, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think we're getting very good in Western culture. I'm speaking here as a Brit, talking to an American, but I feel that we're getting very good at isolating ourselves, you know, and kind of staying within our very small circle. And, you know, with social media, you can deselect all the things you don't want to see. Um, and what I found really, really refreshing is that I, I can have a disagreement um, or, mis, you know, we can be misunderstood and all those kind of things. And it's still a positive experience. Right. I, I agree 100 percent. It's it's very refreshing to you know, if, if we disagree on something to be able to step back and, and and to have an adult conversation about it and not, not be belittled and and not be you know, somebody resort immediately insults or or any of that, which is so prevalent in today's culture. Mm. They call it identity politics, but yeah, I found that the identity that we have as a community is, is kind of, is warm Mm -hmm. really. And, uh, yeah, it's all good. Anyway, we're going to slap ourselves on the back too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I wanted to ask you what you thought about the going forward then. I mean, what are your kind of biggest hopes going forward in terms of your own hobby? Where are you heading? Well, that is a interesting question. I'm looking forward to engaging more with more online games. At the moment, there mm-hmm. probably won't be a whole lot more face-to-face games for me, at, unfortunately, just because... I have a long commute to work and here in a couple of years, we're going to sell this house. And once we're closer to where we work and whatnot, it'll be easier to do face to face. So, so I'm going to be playing online for a while here and I'm looking forward to it as I get involved in more games, mm-hmm. playing with different people I'm getting ready to play dungeon fantasy with you, which is going to be exciting. I'm going to start playing some more games, Arlen Walker from live films, wasteland. That's going to be exciting. Um, of course, all the games already on the audio dungeon mm-hmm. that I get to interact with. And that's the other thing for somebody that's been out of the hobby that they should realize is the commitment isn't that they have to be show up for a game online twice a week, you know, on and on and on. There are a lot of games, especially like on the other dungeon that are drop in, drop out, where if they can only show up once every two weeks or once a month, they're welcome in those games. So Yeah, that's particularly true of Hobbs, isn't it, with mm-hmm. his uh, Midlands Menagerie and Kalmata. Yep. And I think that's important so people don't think that there's that commitment so they're afraid to to try it because they're afraid, well, I can only show up this one day, so that's okay. Show up, you know? Yeah, I, I, I've been feeling a little bit bad recently about Hobbs's middle of menagerie. I played the first game of that, and I've not been able to make any of the other dates. But you're right when you say, actually, you know, that's okay. And I think whilst we'd like to get together more often um, – there's an acceptance, isn't there, of, yeah, people have lives. Yep, definitely, very much so. And and that's why, now there's some games, I, I don't want to mispaint the picture, there are some games where, the, where the, you know, they do expect more people you know, to show up more frequently. But my point is there are a lot of games where you don't have to, and they're specifically designed that way. You know, Hobbs games are set up that way. Cody M's game is set up that way. Um, uh, Larry Hamilton's game is set up that way. Um, Dave Aldrich is getting ready to do, start a black hat game that's set up that way. So there are plenty of opportunities mm. where you can just show up when you can to play 
and, and you don't have to feel that commitment. Number one top tip for the player coming back to the hobby then. What do you reckon? You just follow the golden rule. Don't come in judgmental. Keep an open mind and just, you know, just engage. Show up, say hello, and very probably we're going to start prompting you. And, and, you know, we'll start asking the questions, make it a little bit easier. But, yeah, just don't come in with preconceived notions on how bad it's going to be. Keep an open mind. Jason, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Before you go, any last words? No, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to talk to you, and I look forward to your future podcasts. Hey, man, it's great having you on the show. You know me, I like to talk to anybody about the hobby. Jason Connolly, thanks so much for your time. All the best. Game on. Okay, same to you, Che. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thank you ever so much for tuning in and listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Jason. Massive thank you to the man himself, Jason Connolly, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Yeah, I really enjoyed that chat, man. It was really, really good. And I'm, I'm sort of sorry it took a couple of weeks to get it out there. But, you know, one or two irons in the fire for me. Better late than never. That's what they say. And I guess on that note, it's time to say goodbye. I wanted to say thank you to all the callers today. Frank T, heading the show. Goblins Henchman. Joe Richter. And the amazing and new caller, Barney. All brilliant to hear from you guys. Thank you so, so much for your time. I hope I did your call in some justice. Massive thank you to all of the Roleplay Rescue patrons. If you want to get involved in supporting the show, that's over at patreon.com forward slash RPG Rescue. Other than that, check out the show notes for how to contact us. And please, if you've got something to say, drop me a manka message. I've been Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you on the flip side. Game on.